0: Good morning. I'm Mark. I want to welcome you here as well on this beautiful Sunday. Um, I, I don't know if you've been able to be a be a part of uh, this series. If you hadn't, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the last few sermons that Charlie shared with us. It it's just it's every year. I mean, this is the one uh, that really challenges me. I, uh, I you know I've, I've shared a lot. That I'm uh, maybe the the positive word is is frugal. I've been called other things uh, in. That vein, uh, basically, I uh, I do struggle with trying to really hold really tightly on to, to whatever is in our bank account, and so this always is a challenge. Whether it's a challenge to to give, whether it's a challenge even that things that we might need is just this always. That's I'm just that's who I am. So I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna be pretty transparent today, and I uh, want to be as authentic as I can about the struggle with that because. While your struggle might look a little bit different than mine, I think we uh, we all, when it comes to this area, there's some there's some certain things, and I think that this passage we're going to look at today might really help us shift our perspective a little bit, maybe, from what it looks like to be a, a taker to what it looks like to, to be one that gives and one, one that is generous. And uh, kind of to get us started, a uh, couple weeks ago, Brad Alexander, our Connections Pastor, and I, we were... Uh, we went out to lunch and uh, we were having you know great time talking about a lot of things. I, I had honestly, it had been a rough week, just had a lot going on, just kind of a chaos of different emotions and things that were happening and um, sit down at the table, but then we were able to focus and have this conversation. And it was in a, a you know, a pretty small little little place that got really full. We got there a little bit early, but we were there a while and and it, it got pretty full of people. And then uh, we stayed long enough that the crowd had left, and there wa- wasn't anybody really left in the place. And then I uh, went to check out, and the the lady there said, well, you, well, don't worry about it. Somebody Somebody picked up the bill. And I was just – I was blown away because I – I've had this happen before, you know, being in, uh, in ministry of different types for a long time in pastoral ministry. I mean, I, at different times, somebody might might do that anonymously. A lot of times I would I would already kind of know, oh, I know who that was. You know, we had a conversation or whatever. Um, but this time I had no idea. So if you're in this room, thank you. That was, that was incredible uh, that you were sitting right there and we were sitting right here. And I, but I couldn't, Brad or I, neither one could remember who was sitting there, who that person might have been. I'm assuming somehow they're connected to the Grove. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I just walked out of that place, like standing a little taller. You know, with a little bit more of a a hop in my step. Um, I just a bit astounded. Like, man, like nobody but that person knows. And I guess if I really, but that like didn't know who this person was. And they just did something really, really sweet and really like not normal, really, really unique and powerful. Something. Something godlike, you know, and um, and then I thought about it a little bit more later, and uh, two kind of more thoughts as the Spirit of God started to kind of work on my heart. But one was it was it really me that got the biggest blessing in that, or was it was it that person, whoever they were, whoever you were. I mean, I I walked out. Brad and I walked out definitely having received, but. Man, think how incredible it was for them, like to kind of giggle as they walked out of the door, as they got in the car later that day. Just thinking about, even wondering, like, wonder what that made them feel like when when that happened. To just be a, a a, you know, a, a, a blessing to somebody. And then I also had this thought, you know, like I said several different times, I've been the recipient of that. But I really started going back through my story and trying to rack my brain to think of the time that I had been the giver and I couldn't think of one. Now why? Why why have I never spotted somebody in the corner of the room and gone, "Oh man, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be real sneaky like, you know, so they don't know it's coming." And then then they're going to do it and I'm not even going to stay around to watch their face, but I'm just going to know that man through me, God was able to bless this person and light up their day. Why have I why have I not? What is it that that uh, makes me look at things the way that I do? and hold on to my money as tightly as I do and not take advantage of opportunities that, that come my way. Another time, something similar that happened a few years ago that I'll never forget. We were on a road trip. Um, I don't even remember where we were going, but we, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, we stopped in at this subway and I went in, of course in a hurry, try to get us some food to get back on the road to get wherever we were going. And uh, we were in line and these, these two high school age girls walked in. And they were both in real formal dresses and their hair was all done up and makeup on and like, you know, they were definitely going to a prom or homecoming or something. And here they were in line at Subway. And it was obvious that they were just out of place, right? And I had already spied, of course, it was stuck out like a sore thumb, right? We're all in there, and there are these two very, you know, nice dresses and going and then they're walking through the line at the subway. And I'm thinking, man, you know. I wish somebody had opened the door for them. You know, I wish they had somebody pulling out the chair for them. I wish, you know, somebody was paying for this meal for them. And I had had the thought. Well, then when they stepped up to pay, this uh, older gentleman behind me there was a couple sitting behind us, and uh, and he got up and cut them off at the cash register, and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for these two girls." And I just I got teary eyed. I was like, "Man, that's that's right. <laughs> that right there that that was right." And then I was kicking myself, thinking, why didn't I do that? Because <laughs> that, was, that was right. And it had the fingerprints of God all over it, you know, just just beautiful, s- selfless. There was a person that was in need, and, and this person took from theirs and gave. This picture of instead of being a taker, this moment of just genuine, a genuine gift from, from the heart that was with, with no expectation of anything in return. Absolutely beautiful. You know, as we've been moving through this series, Charlie has shared with us some, some core realities about, about our money. And uh, the first one was the world belongs to God. All things are His. Then also that this God is generous and that He shares it with us. He has the right to make the rules, but we take what we want. And this brings guilt and shame. So we've got a God that owns everything, and he generously gives it. And just our mentality is just to, to take. And I definitely think that, you know, part of us and that our selfishness is just to take so that we can build up our possessions. I'll be honest with you. I think the thing that I struggle with is taking and hoarding, like protecting what is mine for fear that if I were to be generous and give it, that there wouldn't be anything there for me and, my, and the ones I love that are close to me. You know, that that somehow this would be depleted. And that risk, that gamble to be generous, to be a giver, um, that then somehow we would be at loss. And that fear, instead of having faith that God would provide in the same way he provides for that person, the way that he would provide for me, that fear instead of faith is the thing that keeps me from just being crazy generous. <laughs> but when I see it, I have to step back and go, man, that's, that's beautiful, that's that's godlike. And so today I want us to talk about this idea of moving from being a, a, a taker to being a, a giver. And I don't want to just run right past the fact that y'all, this, it's, it's radical. I, I, I don't know where you feel like or think that you might fall on that. I, I definitely know some folks in this room that are big time givers. So I don't, I don't know where you find yourself. But uh, the, the difference between being a taker and being a giver especially as we're going to look at it today, is pretty radical. And so, so <laughs> journey with me a little bit. We're going to go through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, some of chapter 8, and some of chapter 9. And let me set it up. What's happening here, the, the church in Jerusalem is struggling really badly, and Paul is, is taking up a gift to go support them. And so he's really kind of going back to all the churches, and he's getting this gift together for them. Now, the people that are in Corinth who we're writing the letter to, they're you know they're a little bit more fluent. They're a little bit more mature. Uh, they've made a promise of a gift that they're gonna give to to support this church in Jerusalem, but they haven't completely fulfilled their promise yet. Now in the meantime, Paul is in Macedonia and he's been talking about how to the Macedonians about these believers in Corinth and how. Man, they're really strong, and how they made this commitment of a gift, and man, and then this challenge to this these young believers in Macedonia who are in a bad situation, uh, a more impoverished situation, a less affluent situation, and hardship, they give big. They give big, and so you probably might have picked this up if you've been around for a while. I love it when God talks smack, or some, or Paul talks smack in these passages. So I kind of like gravitate towards those passages, and that's what's happening here. Paul does this thing. That I don't know what it's like in your hometown, but we had an art rival, and if you wanted to shame me into something, you just tell me Nashville would do it, right? Well, Nashville would probably do that. That guy, in Nashville would probably do it. Then I'm like, well, if Nashville would do it, I'll do it ten times. You know, that it just—it's just one of those little buttons that you would push. Well, what happens here? Paul writes this letter to Corinth, and he's telling them about uh, North Greece, the Macedonians, and how incredible their giving is. And then he's talking to Corinth saying, hey, I'm going to send some fellas over to come collect on your promise, and you better be good for it. <laughs> because if not, you're going to look ridiculous, and I'm going to look ridiculous because I've been talking you guys up. And so he's using this story, this true story of this Macedonian church to inspire <laughs> the, the church in Corinth towards cheerful giving, which I think is really funny too. Because he's like he's like twisting them, their arm, but then he says, but don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, so make sure you do it from your heart. So I hope the same thing can happen for us today. Let's look at this church in Macedonia and see if we can get our arm twisted a little bit and at the same time move our hearts to to give cheerfully. So in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. So it's really interesting. The way, look at the way he, he terms it. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. And then this whole chapter is going to be about that, how this Macedonian church has given to help these, these Jerusalem Christians. But he calls it the grace of God. And then if you go on through the passage, he calls it an, the act of God. Both the, the giving of the Macedonians and the giving of the, the church in Corinth. He, just, he calls it an act of grace. An act of grace of grace, this, this, this God-like thing that happened. You know, I had a little stint for a moment where I, where I sold insurance. And uh, if you ever look at any of those insurance policies, you know, there's the, there's the things that are covered and the things that aren't covered. Have you ever noticed, like, there's the things that, that you do that are stupid and break something, or there's the thing that somebody else does that's stupid or steals it and, and breaks something. But then there's things under this umbrella of the act of God. And that's the, the lightning that strikes that nobody expected. That's the hurricane that hits that nobody saw coming. You know, it's, it's these things that are termed, men didn't do this. The only way we can explain this is God did it. Well, that's what it feels like he's saying about this gift. It's, a, it's the act of grace. It's the act of, of God. It has his fingerprints on it. For somebody, for this church in Macedonia to give selflessly with no expectation of return. For them to be that kind of giver, he, he looks at it and he goes, man, this, this is an act of grace. The grace of God is on display here. He even goes on further in this passage to, to talk about this again. In verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he even uses the example of Jesus as like, this is the kind of thing this is, this this picture of grace. In the same way that Jesus became poor so that he could make us rich, that's what this Macedonian church is looking like. They're, they're, they're giving and it's, it's, it's God-like. It's God-like. You know, I don't know uh, what other things, if you put it in another context. I know this, this week, earlier this week, we got to, to celebrate an adoption in the church. And I just remember... Uh, Monday, being out here celebrating it, thinking, looking around the room going, oh, this has, it kind of has those tinglys like, like, oh, this is a God thing, you know, for an, an adoption is, is, is a God thing. A, some, some big gift, somebody just doing something for somebody with no expectation of return, always that you just go, man, that's, that's not our human nature. God's involved in that. Verse 2, he says, this is the picture of this Macedonian church. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, is that not the most convoluted sentence you've ever seen? (laughs) It's got all these things that are opposite going on. So they're in this severe test of affliction. Imagine yourself in their shoes. In a severe test of affliction, imagine what that might be. An abundance of joy. We are not supposed to be full of joy and a severe test of affliction, but evidently that's what the Macedonians are experiencing. Severe test of affliction, abundance of joy, extreme poverty, wealth of generosity. (laughs) Big-time generous in extreme poverty, affliction and joy, See, I, th- I think there's something going on here that the Macedonians are experiencing that we, don't e- we can't even comprehend it's so supernatural and special, you know? They get it. The how do you battle extreme poverty? Being generous <laughs> in the middle of affliction, contentedness, in this joy that's supernatural is possible. And remember here, we're talking, he's writing this letter to Corinth, the more affluent about this church in Macedonia, the, the less affluent. They're the ones that are full of joy. They're the ones that are being generous. It reminds me, and I may I may have told this story before. And I apologize if I have, but uh, Miss Roswell is just one that every time this topic comes up, I feel like I got to tell you about Miss Roswell because uh, when we um, Terry and I first started, got out of college, and we were going to work in this college ministry, and to do that, it meant that we needed to, to raise funds and build a support team, and so we went around visiting people, and you know a lot of those were connected to our family, and so we went down to my my grandparents' church down in Southeast Arkansas, and. And we began to kind of visit with their friends and try to build a team of people that would pray for us and that would support us financially. And I went to visit Miss Roswell and I sat down really quick. I started to put together as she was telling me about her life and what it looks like. You know, I mean, she was just barely making ends meet and she would take a little bit and set it aside for her big event each week, which was game night with the ladies. And once a month, it was her turn to buy the pizza for game night. And so she had to have that money set aside for game night with her friends. And so, you know, here I, did, I shared about what we're going to do. And you could tell, man, she was very excited about it. I had no doubt that Miss Roswell was going to pray for us. But as I was sharing it, I was already thinking, I mean, I'm not even going to make the Hey, would you be willing to also support us financially? Because, <laughs> I mean, all that's available is pizza night. I already know this, and I'm not taking for pizza night. So we finish out, and I start kind of just, you know, not even saying anything. And she's the one that stops me and says, I, I want to support you. Uh, I Miss mean, Roswell, though, you I mean, she said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to give up game night. I'm just going to take pizza money and give it to you guys. I said, no, Ms. Roswell, you can't can't give up pizza night, you know. That's what you need. And she almost kind of shamed me, like, are you really going to take this opportunity away from me? And I (laughs) I realized, no, I guess I'm not. Do I believe that this is a good investment? Do I believe that what you're giving to matters? Do I believe that the reward in your account is better for this than for pizza night? I do believe all that, but you're astounding me because what I just saw was supernatural and and, and special, (laughs) And Miss Roswell supported us uh, till she passed away. I mean, she was our most faithful supporter, um, and she had she tapped into something. There was something really, really special there that I don't think most of us get. That it, evidently the Macedonians were were understanding in uh, verse uh, three and four, for they gave according to their means. Okay, well that that seems that phrase seems pretty normal for us, right? Like they. They gave according to, to what they have. But then look what it does. As I can testify, they gave beyond their means. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean, they gave, they gave more than they were able to give. Well, that, that's pretty crazy. But he didn't just stop there <laughs> of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. They were begging for the opportunity. It's not that like the opportunity gave, came across their path and they gave to it according to their means. It's not that it came across their path and they gave it, uh, uh, to it above their means. They chased it down and begged for the opportunity to be a part of it. That's how bad they wanted to do it. That's how generous their heart was. That's how godlike it was. I'll be honest with you, I do not know of this. I mean, I, where well, our family is committed to give and you know the things that we give to, like our, our gift to the gro- to the Grove. This past week, it you know popped up in my email, and it said, you know, this amount has been subtracted by Secure Give. <laughs> I'm sure you made it, you're on that. Thing, you get that email. Here it is. It got subtracted, and I just be honest with you. It's it's not like my heart immediately goes woohoo. I'm not I'm not doing a little dance that I got to. I mean, no. My my heart goes ooh. You know, my first reaction is like, oh, and then, I go, and then I have to sit for a second and let it, oh, yeah. I am committed to this because I believe these things, and I've watched God be faithful. But, man, <laughs> it's not my first reaction. These people, I don't even know what to say about it, begging earnestly for the favor of getting to give. Man, what would your life, would you think joy and contentedness and all that would fill your life if this was your heart? I think it probably would. Verse 5. And um and this not as expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What I love about this, I think, you know, he's like not as expected in their in their view it wasn't just hey we're just we're just going to give this. It was like Man, they saw that I'm going to give this to God. And then God is going to give that to the to the church in Jerusalem. And so the question is, God, how much do you want me to give you? And then when God clarified how much to give, then they gave it to this thing and, and who to give it to. But the but what they the way they saw things, they were giving it to God, and God was providing, and the same God that was providing for the church in Jerusalem would also provide for the church in Macedonia. Not as expected, it was, it was unique. God first, and then let God clarify. Instead of just looking at the account and seeing how much is there, they went to God, let God clarify where and how much, let him write the number down, and then they gave. Amazing. All right, so then uh, we go on, and I won't, I won't get into all the details. You should go back and read because it's just fun. It's a fun read, uh, first, or Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But there's this section where he says, hey, I'm going to send some guys to you. He names off the guys that are coming. Uh, he even says one guy is a famous uh, famous guy, so be ready because the famous guy is coming. And they're going to make sure that your gift is ready because when I get there and I come to get that gift that you promised, C- Corinth, uh, I don't want to be humiliated and I don't want you to be humiliated, so you need to have that gift ready. So I'm going to send these guys ahead of time just just to be sure, just just to be sure that you got things together. And then uh, after he said some of that, chapter 9, verse 6, he says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Uh, First first hour, I was talking to a farmer that's in our church and he just got back from harvest. And it's just it's so simple when you talk about farming terms, you know. If I hold back the seed and I don't put it all out, well, I can't expect a harvest of the things that I'm still holding back on. But if I you know, find every way I can to plant that seed and all of it that I have, sow bountifully, reap bountifully, hold back, so sparingly, don't be surprised when you reap sparingly. It, this, this thing is a, is a calculated bet that we're talking about. Uh, what I mean by that, I, I don't know if I should be ashamed of this or not, but the movies that I like are like movies where people steal stuff and gambling movies. I'm not encouraged watching them. I'm not encouraged you to gamble. But I think the reason I like it is because both of those things, especially the guy sitting at the poker table, is something I would just never do. Because, again, I'm adding up the numbers, and I don't want to lose that money. And I'm not sure if I put money in the middle of the table, I'm going to lose it. So I'm not even going to go there. So it's amazing to me to watch some movie where a guy's like, you know, and he's laying some cars down and he's pushing the chips to the middle of the table. That absolutely, my heart is just, you know, it's better than a horror film. Like I'm just like, well, what's going to happen? Oh, he's going to lose it. Oh, he didn't lose it. Well, one of the ones that I really like has, uh, it's both. They're stealing things and they're gambling. Uh, It's got Will Smith in it. And, um, and there's this scene in, in this movie, and he and his girlfriend and a bunch of folks have just stolen a bunch. Of st- he's got this big old bag of money. But on the way to the bank, he stops at the, they go to this football game. And they're in this box at the football game, a high roller kind of box. And, you know, they're sitting there and they're hanging out. And then he says, hey, girlfriend, let's, let's bet on some of these you know, so things happen on the field. Like I, I'll say they're going to get a first down, and you say, no, they're not. And whoever wins, then they get some money, you know. So he starts doing that, and they, yeah, he's going to catch the pass. He's going to drop it. No, he, they're going to punt. No, they're not. Well, then there's a high roller guy behind him, this Chinese guy that says, uh, I'd like to play. All right, let's, let's play. So he says, so they start doing the same thing that they were doing, but then the stakes get higher and higher and higher. And Will Smith just keeps on losing and keeps on losing until he's lost all of that big bag of money. And then he says, Will Smith says, double it one more time. And the girlfriend's going, what are you thinking? She starts to walk off. He says, and here's the deal. It's going to be to your eye. Will Smith's saying it's going to be to your favor. Take these binoculars, look down there on the field, and pick any player on the field or on the sideline. Pick their number. Then give the binoculars to my girlfriend. She's going to look down there and pick the same number. And if she doesn't pick the same number, then you get twice the money. Well, I got to take that. That's that's all the odds in my favor. So he takes the binoculars, and he looks, and he can tell he finally sees somebody. He's like, oh, yeah, I got it. So then she walks up, and she's like, how in the world am I going to do this? She starts looking, and she goes up and down the football field, and she's about to give up. But then she goes, and she sees one of their good friends on the sideline in a football jersey num- wearing number 55. And she's like, oh, well, 55. How did you know? Oh, so then they walk out. And she says, how did, how did you know he was going to pick 55? And he says, man, he had to pick 55. Why did he have to pick 55? Because I've been, and they go through this whole thing. From the time he got up that morning to from the time he arrived in town, in the elevator, they had 55 posted everywhere. On every billboard, they had 55 posted. Everybody around him had jerseys on with 55. That very guy had a jersey on with 55 talking to him. Everything was 55. In fact, the best part, the whole time they have been in the box, the music in the background is Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil, where it goes, "woo woo, 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 124 times. It says, woo, woo. And he says, that's actually the Mandarin uh, word for five. So he heard five, 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 the whole time. This was a calculated bet. You see, when we go to give, we don't think about it that way. We think we see it as some kind of risk or something that will, will God really be good? Will, he, will there really be a return on this investment? Is it really more blessed to give than to receive? Is it really? Is it really? Or is this a calculated bet that yes, our God is good. Yes, he will show up. Yes, we give generously like the Macedonians because we know he's going to show up. And it says each one, verse 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, a cheerful giver. Then in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, sufficiency there is like contentment, that you would have all contentment, all grace, all contentment, this is what God is able to do. All grace, all contentment, all sufficiency, All in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. And this is from Psalm 112. He is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In the context of that, it's like the one who gives, the one that is generous, he's going to be taken care of. It goes on to say in verse uh, 10 and 11, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. So the one that's sowing, guess what? He gets fed more to sow. The one who's taking God's things and doing the things with it that God wants you to do with it, guess what God does for that person? He just continues to give more because you're just a conduit of his blessing to others. So he feeds that person. That made me think about like watching a game yesterday. You know, some guy rumbles for 20 yards and then he gets up like this, like he's got a... A, you know, a bowl of cereal. He just says, man, feed me the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to get yards. Feed me the ball again. A guy playing basketball, he's hitting his shots. He's like, keep, keep feeding me the ball. I'll keep draining threes. <laughs> the church, man, the one who's giving, the one who's doing the things with God's money that he wants to do, guess what God does for that person? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That's what it says. Everybody's going to keep on. multiply your seed supply. You Multiply your seed for sowing. And then at the end of the day. He'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And when it's all said and done, the receiver and the giver all together have to stop. Say, thank you, God. You are incredible. You are the provider. You are the sustainer. You know, Charlie has... Told several times about the uh, the house that he owned for a while that he didn't want to own, and I don't know about you guys, but it has been a huge part of my journey to kind of journey with the Loftons in that. That man, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a house <laughs> a long ways from here that I didn't want to own that I'm that I own, and and that whole story and the way that God provided for their needs and 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 took care of them in that. Um, haven't told you as much if you've been around here for a while. You know we. Uh, we lived in India, and I, we've got this business where we import things from India, and uh, we still do that today. It has changed shape a whole lot, and God has actually multiplied what that looks like and the in- kingdom impact that we're able to have. But when we first started here, we really felt like what that, what that meant was that we needed to start a, a retail store for, for, for this furniture. And you know anything, I mean, that's, it's just really expensive to have a, a storefront and to try, to try to make that happen. And uh, so we had to take on some investment and some things like that. And it was, it was, it was really difficult. And I, I'll be honest with you, it, uh, it did, didn't go so well. <laughs> the expenses and the cost didn't necessarily work out that well. So by the time it was finished and we decided to, to take, go at that a different way, uh, man, there was, it had left us at a loss. And a lot of Sundays in here when Charlie would tell one of those stories or, man, when Cass would play that ocean song, goodness gracious. Man, if you walk by me, and he's playing that ocean song, uh, there were a lot of those Sundays that I was just crying, man. Like, yes, I want to have that kind of faith, God. I want to believe that you're going to provide for us. And while I really struggle with spontaneous giving, Terry and I have been committed forever since, since we were married that we were going to continue, we were going to give every month, and we were going we to do that. And we were going to do it as big as we possibly could imagine and pray and, and do that. And God has just provided And I can tell you, uh, a couple weeks ago, that last uh, investment, that last thing that we owed was paid. And I can't exactly tell you how God provided for our family the last five years and then also did that. I really can't tell you. I can tell you. I mean, there's one story or another of the way that God just did miraculous things. And he did it. He did it. And that's what, that's what Charlie's story tells like. I, I, I'm sure we could have testimony from a lot of folks in here that you've just watched God just provide. He does it. He's good. The one that is generous, the one that gives, it's our amazing God, does this, and then everybody has to stop and say thank you. I wanted to tell that this morning. This morning I was, th- I was thinking about should I, should I share that or not? And you know the reason I had to? Because I wanted in front of everybody and in my own heart to say, thank you, God. You're faithful, you're faithful, you provide. You ask us to be generous, but you don't leave us alone. You provide. To be a generous giver is miraculous. It's an act of grace that requires faith in the face of fear. And to believe that God really does what Philippians says that he will supply all of your need according according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me pray